Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. One thing Brother Pete doesn't tell you is that uh, when I would preach, I'd always tell him beforehand that when I stray from the Bible, you know, just don't type anything. You know, just leave out the heresy. And so often Sunday nights, he could take the whole evening off. Amen. So turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter number 33. And when you find your place, if you could, uh, ask you to stand out of reverence for the Word of God. Exodus chapter number 33, and for the sake of reference, we'll read the first three verses by the grace of God. So good to be here today, praise the Lord. So good to get out of that basement, amen. My feet are still cold. <laughs> Exodus chapter number 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. For thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. I'm going to ask Brother Clayton, if you would, to ask God's blessing on the preaching of his word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank the Lord tonight for uh, this book of Exodus. We thank the Father for the wonderful truth that we've already seen tonight in your word. We pray that you bless us with it, Lord. Bless Brother Johnson's preaching and open his mouth and open our ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may kindly have your seat. So we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I'd like to preach on this particular subject. Why is it that we come to the house of God? Why is it that we come for revivals? Why is it that we come for Sunday morning and Sunday night and, and midweek? Why is it that we'll leave our homes and all that there is to do within the hectic nature of life in New York City and find ourselves right here at this sacred place? Because within the verses that we've read, there are several alternatives that people supply to convince themselves to keep doing the things that they do. In verse number one, we're told about a people that came up out of the land of Egypt. Some people come to church because of all their problems. I mean, they, they just got somebody with a whip and a chair and their burdens are so great and, and they're making bricks without straw and boy, they just need God to alleviate their troubles and, and all the hardships. They're not really seeking God per se. They, they just want Him to whip out that magic wand, if you will, and, and solve all their problems. 
There's a second reason, and that is, in verse number one, he, he says, you know, I, I made some promises to your forefathers. I swear unto them. You know, there are a group of people that in a limited way will go forward by faith. Not really serious so much about serving God or worshiping God or, or submitting to the will of God. But, you know, they sure want a home in heaven someday down the road. You know, they want God to keep his part and, and they're looking for a God who's holy and righteous and pure. But when it comes to really making that sacrifice and, and doing that which is holy before men as, as well as before God, somehow they, they never quite connect the dots. But boy, they sure want God to keep his end. Then there's a third reason. We're introduced to the patriarchs. Not just the problems or the promises, but as Abraham and Isaac or Jacob are introduced into the equation, we see that there's some people that have just come to church because that's how they were raised. As the baton is passed from one generation to the next, you know, they, they just culturally speaking, they come to church because, you know, that's just how they were raised. That's just the way they believe is the right thing to do. I mean, on Sunday morning, I mean, we just come to church because grandpa came to church. Grandma came to church. You know, we come from a long line of religious people. After all, my great uncle was an altar boy, as if somehow that really impresses God. And then as we're told about the Amorites and the Hittites, especially married to a Latino woman, the Perezites, amen. They got to get in there somehow, praise the Lord. But you know, there's some people that come to church because they, they just want to fight with somebody. The politics. This is their turf. This is their ministry. I mean, they're going to show up to defend what is theirs. The backdrop of our story is the golden calf. Whereas Moses was up getting the Decalogue, The Bible says that Moses lingered a little bit too long in the presence of God. And that's always been my question. Are my sermons really too long or is just your religion a little too short? Amen. Still, me and Pete go back and forth on that. And he really has done his best to convince me, no, no, your sermons really are too long. But the reality is here is that they said, you know, we don't know what's happened to Moses. And so, they rose up to play in the wickedness of man's carnal heart. Before they ever laid eyes on the Ten Commandments, they'd already broken every single one. And that which had already been performed in their lives physically was demonstrated as Moses threw those tables of stone upon the ground. And so God says, I tell you what, I, I'm still a covenant making. I'm still holy and righteous and, and true. And I, I promised it to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. And I'm not the kind of God of bait and switch. So I'll still do what I said. But there's going to be one big difference. I'm not going to go with you. 
Because it's obvious that you're not really interested in fellowship with me. You're willing to settle for a golden calf. As long as religion will, will play a part in your life, you don't really want me. You don't want intimacy with me. You just want to play church. So you know what? I'm going to check out. But I'll still keep my promise. I'll still bring you into the land. But you know what? There'll just have to be an angel. Since you've already said you'll, you're willing to settle for a cheap substitute, I'll just send an angel. And he can take my place. But what's amazing, if you look a little bit further down, verse 14, God says, my presence shall go with me. Wow. Check that out. And not only that, I tell you what, once you get close, you'll be able to have that peace that you really long. I'm not just going to give you my presence. I'll give you my peace. You'll find that rest for the soul, that refuge in a relationship. Hallelujah. That comfort, not just in a covenant, but in a covenant making God. What a difference between an angel coming and now God says, all right, if you really want me that bad. You can have me. And as we celebrate 20 years here in this church, that becomes a challenge for all of us. As the ministry grows and new people come and no doubt new, new ministries are started and, and more lives are transformed. Are we going to retain that very same hunger and thirst for God that said, you know, this this Greek mafia is not going to stop us. And I'm sure you've heard that story. Amen. The Seventh-day Adventist basement. You know what, God? We're not going to settle for that. We want our own spot for your glory. We want to be able to say, hey, we can have revivals. We, we can meet any. Hey, if we want to have a prayer meeting. And Wednesday at six in the morning, we could do that. God, we, will, we want you to carve out a spot for us. Within those transitionary verses, from verse number 3 to first verse number 14, we're introduced to three distinct classes of people. Three categories of those who find themselves in the house of God. In verse number 8, we're told that it came to pass that when Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. What has happened here at this particular juncture is Moses has gone outside the camp and has constructed basically a tent. And he didn't say this place is called the, the tent of Moses. He didn't say, you know, this is my own private little Idaho here and, and this is going to be my new prayer closet. He called it the tabernacle of the congregation. Whosoever will may come. But God said, I'm not going to dwell in the camp because you've already defiled it with this golden calf. 
So I'm going to go outside the camp. And I'm going to dwell there. And that's going to be a challenge. Will you pursue me or will you just let me go? Will you come hard after me? Because you're not going to settle for anything else than intimacy with God. And as Moses would demonstrate what it was to have that intimacy. There's a group of people that say, wow, check this out. Man, this is cool. Moses goes out there. I mean, he's the man. And as he approaches, look, look what happens. Man, the, that pillar of cloud, it, it just goes right over and then it comes down and it descends as Moses enters in. I mean, man, that is, and they all would stand up as Moses would walk by. So we know where he's going. It's not to go play lotto. It's not to look at the newest channel at ESPN. Moses is going to do business. Hey, come on, here he goes. And they'd all stand up and they'd look. You know, there's a group of people that are watching and they're wondering. A curious crowd. Don't really quite get involved. Kind of always on the perimeter. I mean, they just never quite seem to make that commitment. And, and as Moses walks by, they go, wow. Good for Moses. They're watching and they're wondering, man, what really goes on there? Well, why don't you come and see? Why don't you to come to this altar and commit your life? Why don't you get alone with God in that prayer closet as you open up his word and say, God, I'm yours, not 50% or 70%, but God, I'm yours every day, all the time. I want you to take my life and use it for whatever it is that you might see fit. But instead, they live vicariously through somebody else. Boy, I'm sure glad we have a Moses around here. I'm glad that we can have men like Brother Marshall and Brother Clayton that can come. And man, I'm glad we can have a pastor like Pete Montoro who walks with God and, and explains to us the things of God. But is that good enough? Is that why Jesus died and that veil is torn? So that you can live through somebody else? God wants you to have your own relations. That's why it's called the tabernacle of the congregation. Open door wasn't here as a museum. So great men of God could come through and you could stand gazing at somebody else's walk. But open door Bible Baptist Church was established that you might have that walk. That you might have that intimacy. Second group of people and look if you would. Verse number 11. The Bible says that the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. As a man speaketh unto his friend. Wow. Someone here who's walking with God. Someone who is worshiping God. Face to face. And isn't it amazing? We, we can talk to all kinds of people about all kinds of subjects. But somehow that prayer closet just doesn't get used like it ought to. Why is it like Adam and Eve? We, we tend to hide from the very one that loves us the most. 
Why is it we have time for TV and newspapers and, and all kinds of window dressing? But sometimes we, we just don't quite seem to get to the heart of the matter. And that is face to face. Making God our very best friend. But there's a third group. And I promise I am going somewhere with this. At the end of verse number 11, we're introduced to a young man, Joshua, the son of Nun. And then there's a curious little phrase here that says that he departed not out of the tabernacle. What about that? Moses would come in and according to verse number 9, that as Moses would enter in, the, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the door and it was just undeniable that Moses had intimacy with God. But Joshua, he didn't come and go. He, he stayed right there. He was that one that would encourage others. He was that one who, hallelujah, would lift up the hands of the weak he was that one that would say, hey, you know what? I can stay here. You can do it. If I can walk with God, you could be here too. Hey, don't just look at Moses. Come on in this place. And I want to admit to you that it is true that there are some people that, wow, just seem to have special ability. I mean, how do you watch the life of a Larry Clayton or a John Marshall and not say, you know what? There's a man that's just been unusually blessed by God. But we also know that God is not a respecter of persons. We also know that God craves your presence. And, and you know what? Maybe I don't have their ability. Maybe I don't have all of their gifts. Maybe I don't have their talent. But I tell you what, I could be a Joshua. I could be one that would just dedicate myself to the things of God and help others to come in and have that intimacy. I could be that soul winner. I could be that servant. I could be that one that seeks after the face of God. Because after it all, it's not a totem pole. I'm not trying to raise up to somebody else's level. Amen. I'm just trying to do the will of God. I'm just trying to give Him that glory. But here's the best part. In verse number 14, God says, All right, Moses, you can have me. God's not coy. He's not hard to, to get. He's not like the prettiest girl. At the school, amen. Well, what kind of car do you drive? God's not that way. God says, you know, if you're going to seek my face, if you're going to go to that, you, you can have me. And then there's a little bit of a twist. Because in verse 18, Moses says, Lord, that's not enough. He says, I want to be clear in verse 15. If you're not going with us, I'm not going to that land. I don't care about milk and honey. I don't care about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I don't care about all the problems in Egypt. God, I want you. And he says, but I don't want you to just come along as a visitor. I don't want you to come along as like this uninvited guest to the prom. God, I don't want just you. God, I, I want to see your work. I want to see your glory. I want to worship you 
and adore you. And love, not just for what you do. Not just what you've promised for some few. God, right now, I just want to adore you for who you are. And in verse 19, God says, all right, Moses. You got it. What about that? And what a great reason to be a part of a Bible-believing church. That on a regular basis, amen, we, we wouldn't see just a great pastor like Pete Montoro, but what we'd see is the glory of God. We wouldn't just have the privilege, amen, of sending out missions money, although hallelujah that the sun never sets on the ministry of open door. But oh, that they work, not just better agricultural techniques, but churches getting started. The glory of God. Souls getting saved. The word of God being given to peoples all around the four corners of this world. Why? Because we don't want to play church. We want to see the glory. We want to see God get that which is rightfully His. And maybe this is a crude illustration, but I have a, a feeble mind. But let's just suppose you're in a car and you get pulled over because you're going too fast or you run a stop sign. And when that policeman comes to the door, is this how you approach him? Yeah, what you want? Is that how it works? You know, I'm already late for an appointment and those blue lights are very annoying. You know, people are driving by here that might recognize me. Can you kind of tame that down a little bit? It's amazing how much respect... Some would have for a policeman. And at times, how little we might have for the things of God. You see, giving God that glory, recognizing Him for who He is, that's, that's not some superfluous option that has to do with what it means to fear God. And if you look at these verses beginning at verse number 12 down, Six times in five verses, the word grace appears. Grace. I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, in verse 13, if I have found grace in thy sight. Look at verse 16. That I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Look at the end of verse 17. For thou hast found grace in my sight. Don't tell me there's no grace in the Old Testament. And you get saved one way in Moses' day and another way in our day. Always been by grace through faith. So if we're going to see that glory, what's it going to take? As we come here, not to play church, but to worship. Not to watch somebody else do it, but man, to commit our lives. Not just to say it's important to have a great leader and then what a pastor you have. But the greatest thing about your pastor is that he loves God. He knows how to walk with God. He's been in this book. And what he has, and what Larry Clayton has, what John Marshall has, is that desire to give God that glory. So as Moses begs God for this very special favor, God reminds him something in verse number 20. He says, now Moses, you can't see me face to face. And so Moses says, Lord, I just, 
that got to happen. Four things here, and I'll be, I'll be short. I'll be brief. Four things about inviting, about seeking, about being a part of a Bible-believing church that reveals the glory of God. First of all, there's an invitation. Look, if you would, in verse 21. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Wow. That excites me. Amen. God says, you know what? If you want me, you can have me. There's a place you can see me. Hallelujah. There's a place that we can talk. There's a place. But it's not a place far off. It's not a place out in the world. It's not a place just chasing your own dreams of your fanciful imagination. There is a place. But it's by me. If you want intimacy with God, there's only one place to get it. Hallelujah. I know a lot of times in some of these books and religious movements and denominational flavors, everybody's looking for that shortcut. Goodness gracious, we live in a disposable society. Instant pudding. Deposable diapers. I mean, I'm from the South. I mean, goodness, instant grits. What a travesty. But it's there. It's real. It's where we live. Just use it and throw it away. But God says, if you really want me, there is a place. But it's by me. That means you're going to have to set that alarm and rip out the snooze button. Amen. You're going to have to stop making excuses for next week and next time and I'll do it later. You're going to have to say no to something. You're going to have to put out your schedule. You're going to have to segment the time when there's services and there's prayer breakfast and whatever it is. Hey, if it's on this church calendar, that is your priority. Well, I didn't have a three-week notice. Oh, well. If God's the priority, He'll be here. And that's the thing. It's not just being here. It's the heart to be here. It's not that this is just a sacred place, although it is. It's the fact that, hey, if God's in it, put me down. Not just an invitation. Consecration. Also in verse 21, he says, thou shalt stand upon your own righteousness. Nope. Says there's a unique position. If you really want to see my glory, you're going to have to stand on something. And that rock is Christ. You know, if you want to see God's glory, there, there's just going to have to be a non-negotiable point in your life. And his name is Jesus. I've had a lot of business opportunities, but you know what? I, I'm not interested just in money to make money. There's a lot of people that'll say, hey, you know, I'll be your friend. Let's go do this. But, you know, it takes you away from Christ. There's all kinds of activities. And, and certainly at the forefront, it seems neutral at best. But, you know, I'm not interested in neutral. I want God to get my glory. I want God to have my life. I want, man, this, this life is a vapor. What do I have without Jesus? Talking with your pastor on the phone just today. And uh, my son... He's a senior in high school. And after this year, four out of my five children will be graduating. And he goes, wow, where did the time go? I said, I don't know, but man, 
my memory's getting shorter and my forehead is getting bigger. I keep trying to convince myself, you know, I'm just gaining experience. Amen. But you know, as that calendar turns, it's that reminder for you. It's that reminder for me. Am I going to stand on my pension? Am I going to wait to serve God until I have more time at retirement? Am I going to promise God 20 years from today that I'm not even sure that I'll really have? Or am I going to stand upon that rock? Because the reality is, all I have is Jesus. You know, there's some people that know a little bit about my background that I, I used to work on Wall Street. And I don't really like to bring that up because invariably what happens is someone will come to me and go, wow, that's really impressive. No, it's not. Worst job I ever had. I'd rather flip burgers at Wendy's than to go back to that trash. I say, why would you say that? Because that dog-eat-dog world, it, it just changes the way that you think, the way that you look at other people, the way you pursue just life. It is so corrupt and if you work on Wall Street, God bless you. I'm just telling you how it affected me. You need to pay rent, no doubt. But I tell you, you can't stand on quicksand. You can't stand on a paycheck. You can't stand on, on a corporate promise. But you can stand upon Jesus. And I have people come up and say, Wow, you really gave up a lot to serve the Lord. I'll tell you what I gave up to serve Jesus. My spot in hell. That's it. There's no glory for me. I'm just a sinner, just an ungodly, wicked wretch. And why God would love me, I got no idea. But I tell you what, it's good to be on that rock. When the storms come, I'm glad I'm on that rock. Hallelujah. It's good to know Jesus through good friends and bad, good times and tough, the mountains and the valley. I tell you, I'm glad that I can know Jesus because he's the only constant that I have. In my life. But there's a third thing. He says. And it shall come to pass. While my glory passeth by. That I will put thee in a cliff of the rock. And that word cliff there. Is a very unusual word. It, it's a archaeological word. That speaks of a geographical. Formation. And as the shifts. And the earth's pressures move. And earthquakes, etc., there's often a time where that geological shift will make like a splitting in the rocks. And the reality there is, is that God will carve out a place for you. A place all your own. A place so special that you'll think you're the only one that He takes care of in all of the world. God will love you like that. You know, it's good to Meet the woman of your dreams. Man, it's good to have a person you can just go home and talk to. That man, warts and all, she'll just love you. Hallelujah. Me and my wife have been married for uh, 25 years almost. And this morning, she still comes to my bedside with a cup of coffee to greet me in the morning. I never asked for that. And she hates it when I mention that, so she's not here today. So, hallelujah, I can get by with this. After 25 years, she still comes every morning with that cup of coffee. And it's not the coffee, it's the love behind it, amen? 
And it's so good to be, have someone you can share the grace of life with and just enjoy things and pray with and talk to. But can I tell you, there's a place where even the love of my wife, just it falls short. Even the closeness that we share, it, it, it's not enough. Because I've got my sin nature. She's got hers. There's times, I know it never happens to Pete and Julia, but at least in our house, every once in a while, amen, she'll think that I'm wrong and I'll know that I'm right. And, you know, it's just a hard place. It takes a while to get her to see my end of things, you know. But she usually gets right. Revival comes, amen. And again, she's not here tonight, so I can say that. And yet, within that geological shift, not just an invitation, but tribulation. Sometimes there is upheavals in our life. Sometimes there is troubles and trials. Sometimes there is low, low points. And through it all, God looks to wean us and to separate us from this world that He might show us how precious and awesome fellowship with God really is. You know, sometimes you feel like you're just at the bottom of that barrel. And you know what happens when you hit rock bottom? You'll find that God's been there all along, just waiting for you. And I tell you, there's something sacred when you hit rock bottom. And you realize that God isn't just all that you need. You come to that place where God's all that you want. And within that cliff, it's like the mighty hand of God just... Snatches you out a little place that's just yours and His. And you can meet with God. You can find shelter in God. Your refuge is in God. And the world can't touch you. Can I tell you, the most secure place this world knows is intimacy with God. The world can't touch you there. There's no games to play. There's no pretensions. You don't have to make anything up. He knows you for what you really are. And He loves you. And while I'm glad to be saved from sin and Satan, can I tell you, I'm most grateful that God saved me from myself. Man, just all the wicked devices my heart is capable of. What a good God to, to not let me be what Richard Johnson wanted me to be. Hallelujah for Jesus, that He might carve out that place for you, for me, for us. But it's hard. That flesh doesn't die easy. That world isn't going to give up on you in a day or a month or a year. But you keep seeking Him, keep seeking Him, keep loving Him. And God will continue to carve out that place for you. And then lastly... In verse 23, he says, oh, I'm going to take away mine hand. And as I put you into that cliff of the rock, I'm, I'm going to cover you with my hand. And verse 23, as I pass by, I'll take that hand away. And, and you can't see the front. But I'll let you see those hinder parts. Not just invitation or consecration or tribulation. But there's an idea here even with dispensation. A lot of people wonder, well, why is it that Moses couldn't see the face, the, the front of God's glory? And the answer is because Moses represents the law. There's an aspect of Moses that if you're looking to pursue God through rules and ceremonies and rituals and, and lists, man, you'll get very well acquainted with the weakness of your flesh. 
you'll get very acquainted, hallelujah, with the strength of the law. But within that idea of dispensation, if you want to see the front, you've got to look at Calvary. If you want to see the glory of God, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Hallelujah. Christ is that fulfillment of the law. Hallelujah. If you want to see the glory of God is when he reached down, amen, and saved that sinner and called John Marshall to preach. Hallelujah. Carved out open door Bible Baptist. Put a preacher from Maryland out on a street corner with a Winnebago camper and a metal Stage out in the middle of 31st Avenue. People walk by and say, man, who is that guy preaching like that? What is wrong with him? I'll tell you what happened to that fella. He met up with Jesus and he's never been the same. Once you come Sunday, I tell you, you, you think it's bad right there? Come Sunday, you really get a dose. Hallelujah. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll do that. And one life after another life after another life as the ministries of this church expand all around the globe wow the glory of God on every hand I read a statistic not too long ago that the price of this property was about three quarters of a million dollars what a miracle it was for all that money to come in and that is, no doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, that, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal miracle. But can I tell you something even greater than that? The amount of money coming out of this church that you guys have given to others that the gospel could go forth, that others might hear about God, has exceeded the purchase price of this property. Wow. Now that is the glory of God. And as I close, I just want to challenge. Don't play church. Don't settle for mediocre. Don't just watch somebody else. You seek his face. And maybe, just maybe, you could be that Joshua. Somebody else is struggling. You help them. Because you know what? That's why this place has been established. That we might see the glory of God. Pastor, you come and close as you see fit.